and non-benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatar vs. Wagger. Really, really quiet there. I'm Janet Barney. And I'm Dante Bosco. We were so excited to finally have on the podcast for the first time, and it's been a long time coming, the voice of Toph, Michaela Murphy. What a doll, what a joy. She's all grown up, Dante. From Jesse Flower to Michaela Murphy. So for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, very quickly, I just want to revisit the idea that uh, Michaela was a little kid and her mom said she could pick a name. So she got to pick her own stage name, stage name as a child. And she picked Jesse Flower. And I'm like, that is the perfect name for a child to come up with. Like, I mean, not like a child. No, she was young. So we had the conversation of like, I shudder to think what mine would have been because mine probably would have been like Vanessa Rainbow or something. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse Flower. I love that she did that. So that was a blast. And now here we are following that up with another huge and beloved episode of book two. So I think it goes without saying we needed an extra awesome guest. And this week, we are so excited to be joined by my longtime dear friend and comedy collaborator, one of the brilliant minds behind the beloved podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. And he also hosts one of my all-time favorite podcasts, period. Hey, Riddle Riddle, please welcome friend and huge Avatar lover, Adol Rafai. Huzzah! Or as I like to call myself when I name myself, Kyle Illumination. <laughs> Kyle Illumination. Is that fun? Is that something? I- Kyle Illumination new to the scene he is Uh seven years uh old and he is taking the voice of a world by storm (laughs) sorry so good welcome to the show Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Buddy, when we met, you Mm -hmm. very quickly uh, established with me that you were a lover of the Avatarverse and that you had enjoyed Korra. And I know you love this show. And it's been so exciting knowing that you were going to come on. We knew we had to get you on. And now here we are. And if you walk away not liking the Avatarverse anymore because (laughs) of doing this podcast, we have not done our jobs. No, no, no. Truly, I'm over the moon. So how did you come across the Avatarverse? So it, I believe it was 2015. At the time, I was dating someone. Shout out to, to Meredith, who introduced me to this phenomenal world. But I was about to do an improv residency in Des Moines, Iowa. So before I left, because we knew that we were about to be apart for maybe two or three weeks or something like that, she had mentioned how much she enjoyed Avatar and what a big part of her life it was. And I was like, I want to watch it. So she bought me the DVD set, and we sat for... I think we finished it in like three or four days. We just sat on the couch and watched all of Avatar and then all of Korra. And then I left. I think I had avoided to some degree as an adult, I had avoided too much animation. Not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I didn't like it, but I was just like, now's the time to put away these things. And that was my mentality. And then watching Avatar and Korra, my eyes were open and it was a pivotal moment of like the heft and the heart and the emotional depth and the weight that the storytelling that is possible was just phenomenal. So I put it up there in that upper echelon of like Sopranos and The Wire and wow. Breaking Bad. Like to me, it is that it is that we perfect are of a show. Here in the Avatar verse, yeah. And I'll also say, speaking of Sopranos, I feel like Zuko is probably a Tony. I feel like Azula is probably Janice. Uh, Iroh is Uncle June. Uh, what else? Well, Sokka is Polly Walnuts. <laughs> uh, okay. Guys, before we get too much further in, I wanted to just provide a quick break bite from Twitter. It's at Matherian. 1315. So Matt asks, so I've always thought Azula had blue fire and her bending lightning was a separate thing, but I've noticed y'all refer to it. And by the way, I did 
enjoy you putting your y'all refer to it as blue lightning when she firebends. Is that canon that she's always uh, lightning bending? And our Breitbart answer is Brian mentioned that Azula's firebending is blue because it burns hotter than a normal firebender. She's described as a firebending prodigy a couple of times in the series as well. She is not always lightning bending. It just so happens that her lightning is also blue because of her firebending abilities. And special thanks to Promote at Avatar Studios for helping me get this Breitbart together. Before we jump into this recap, how do you feel? And as a younger person, sometimes people felt very, very strongly about certain relationships in the show, certain ships, if you will. Um, Obviously, you were a little bit more of an adult when you saw the show. But that doesn't really matter because you get so drawn into the universe that when there are sparks, at least for me, between, for example, Katara and Zuko, I'm experiencing it, thinking to myself, like, I kind of want these guys to end up together. And it's a known fact that I guess it's canon that they don't or whatever. (laughs) But uh, did you have ships on the show or do you have ships on the show? Characters that you like together that you stand by? I have two. Number one, Mappa, which is Momo and Appa. Uh, And number two, (laughs) uh, the the real one that I don't think I believe in anymore. But at the time of watching, I was kind of hoping for it. But roads diverged and and I no longer took that path. But I feel like Toph and Aang, the Tang, the hashtag Tang. Yeah. I feel like that was something that I was because I think for a while she was my favorite character. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I thought but that too. But I thought too. they might end up together. Yeah. But they have a very sibling, even from their first when we, we just reviewed the other episode a while back. But their kids did. But their kids did. Lin Beifong and Tenzin, they had a romance. So you were just one generation off. Hey, man, if, if you can get with a Beifong <laughs> in the Avatarverse, you're doing pretty good. The Beifongs are rolling in the dough, baby. <laughs> you two are disgusting. They are so much more than their money. Gosh, I'm so angry right now. <laughs> Crazy rich benders. <laughs> Crazy rich Beifongs. <laughs> oh. All right, Bosco, lay the question of the hour on him, would you? The question is, we have to ask everybody, if you can bend in this world of Avatar... Which element would you bend? Yes, I feel like I gotta say I would be an earthbender. Okay. I'm deeply Midwestern. I okay. was born, grew up for most of my life, and currently live in the Midwest. I like to think that I'm kind of just put my head down and get to work, and I, I like, like to it. be grounded. And yeah, I, and as an improviser, that's one of the reasons why the Des Moines residency <laughs> was offered to you because they knew this about you. <laughs> A lot of earthbenders out there. You to mention it was a residency detasseling in a cornfield. Um, <laughs> but I feel like as an improviser, I strive to be maybe like a waterbender where I'm flexible and malleable and I'm able to just navigate whatever little course. fluidity. Yeah, it, fluidity. Mm-hmm. But I feel like realistically, I'm more salt of the earth, grounded, head down, just kind of. I love that. I think for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I definitely relate to that. All right. Let's get into this episode. But before we do, take us back. Dante, what was the last actual book two episode that we talked about. So just to revisit where we are in the season of Avatar episodes, of course, we met Toph for the first time in The Blind Bandit, and we were honored to have Ethan Spaulding, who directed the episode, with us for the recap. And this week, we are getting into another hugely iconic episode, man. This is, you know, book two is packed with these heavy ones. And and this is is a heavy one. Very heavy one. Yeah. This is one of our personal favorite episodes of the series. That's yeah. right, y'all. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelts. We're talking about Zuko Woo. alone. Want to hear yeah. some yeah. Western music? All the, you know. <laughs> Cue the Aeneo Morricone. We have missed Zuko. We have. He's been away. We didn't see him at all during the Blind Bandit. And so let's revisit what went on since we last saw him, which unfortunately is that he made a decision that he and Uncle Iroh should go their separate ways in the Earth Kingdom. That was... 
Zuko's like, he's on his own vision quest now. <laughs> he's on yeah. a vision quest. I yeah. mean, his hair's growing out. His hair's growing out. I do know you're glad about that. I'm super glad about that. But there is a lot of conflict in Zuko's story in book two. And it really comforts me that when we had Mike and Brian on the show to kind of usher in book two, they said, you know, we wanted to make it Zuko's path really hard. Like right at the end of book one where you're like, oh, I think he might be turning good. That that there has to be a lot more that happens and a lot more kind of pain. I think as they literally right. said something like it has to get much worse before that can happen. Right. So at least we know there was a plan to it. So it's not as upsetting to me. It's funny you say that they try and make his path hard because I think the very first shot is him crossing no, a true. bridge. And, and even the bridge just like almost collapses. Like something as simple as that. They're just like, not even that Tough they won't times. give him. Like, yeah. Yeah. We dive into Zuko's hard times and his back shadow of like, not. we know that he's yeah. had some bad things. Then we go, oh, there's a, other bad things that have happened to him. This kid is <laughs> yeah. traumatized by his family. Oh, yes. He is. He's literally and figuratively scarred by his family. Exactly. He is. And even in episodes like this, we get to see him facing those demons and you get the feeling this is like, I don't know, I personally get the feeling this is something that's going around in his mind all the time. Just because we don't see him have this memory every episode doesn't mean right. he's not kind of always thinking about these moments with his mom totally. and always thinking about his dad and always thinking about Zula. Um, and so and you get to see how messed up his family is. But he still makes heroic choices, and some of his choices are tougher for both for him right. and for us to kind of process. But I think we should just get into it. I, and I Let's think the voice in. of Zuko needs to start us off on this recap of Zuko alone. It's all you, buddy, in more ways than one. I love the way this episode kicks off with Zuko on his ostrich horse in this very lone cowboy in the middle of nowhere kind of cinematic way. You know, he's crossing a desert, traversing a suspension bridge, and my guy is hungry. He comes across a campfire and smells the food. But then he sees it's a couple and the woman is pregnant and he's not going to take their food. So he moves on and then we discover he's out of water. He's kind of passing out. And then all of a sudden it seems mm -hmm. like he, he sees this woman in a vision or, or hallucination. Is it his mom? Who is this woman? Yeah. I'm curious what you guys think, because obviously we do go into these kind of deeper memories. So it could just be perceived as the beginning of a memory or right. could it be perceived as like she sort of appears to him and kind of urges him forward because it kind of wakes him back up again? What do you what do you guys think? Am I reading too much into it? I, I, I think know. the way I took it, just having watched the episode a few times, I think when he sees the pregnant mother at the campfire oh. and then decides to leave them alone, I think that triggers his great his memory, memory of his mom. And like, Love yeah, it. and then that even goes to the mother-child affection of the turtle ducks and yes. the, you know, so we, I think we yeah. see several different moms, uh, four different great iterations point. of moms in this right. episode. So I think it's just triggered by him seeing the pregnant woman. He's finally in the desert, though. He gets to this desert town. He finally gets to this desert town. And he doesn't have enough money for the water, bag of feed, and something hot to eat. Instead, his, his little coins get him two bags of feed. Now, at this point, we've seen this group of guys yeah. playing dice on the ground. And when a couple of hooligans throw an egg at one of them and disappears, these dudes blame Zuko. And then they take his bags of feed. Mm -hmm. When he goes to buy the bag of feed, I like that it's almost like it would be like a Rockefeller walking into like a Walgreens and being ah. like, here's a quarter. I would like um, two gallons of milk, some bread, uh, your finest yeah. coat and a pair <laughs> of shoes. And they're like, buddy, this is a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, they take his bags of feed and we find out these thugs supposedly are protecting the town 
from the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. We know this song, right? We've seen this happen before with Fire Nation guards or people in a town who are like, we've seen it in the Avatar verse already in book one. Mm-hmm. We certainly all know this kind of trope of, oh, no, we're just, listen, this is for protection for you. Wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you, would you? Exactly. And <laughs> it's this dance that people get caught up in where everyone knows what's really going on and everyone still sort of has to like go through the motions right. of saying like, oh, thank, thank you for keeping us safe. I love how the show, you know, where a lot of shows like, okay, the Fire Nations are the bad guys. The world's not that black and white. Yeah. No way. Yeah. These guys are also not the nicest of people and they're not Fire Nation. They're Earth Kingdom. And so you yeah. get to see again, like we've talked in the past on the podcast, there's good and bad in every element of the four elements of the show and the kingdoms and nations. Whatnot, yeah. So. It's all gray. And that it can be a power and a class thing, right? Like, no matter what nation you're in, you may become a bully if you're sort of handed power. You take power in a way that upsets the balance of things. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It doesn't really matter what nation you're from. If you're abusing that, like, that's not cool. I think also there's something really cool that I noticed of, like, because it's literally Zuko alone and Aang and the gang are out of the picture, I think this episode gives you permission to root for Zuko. And if there were these other tertiary characters, if there were these other leading characters, anybody else around him, I think there would be that bias that comes Mm. forward where you're like, oh, I can't quite yet root for him. But but in this vacuum of like he's around these people we've never met, he's in this situation where there's clearly bullies who are abusing their power. He's able to step up and face his inner demons and become someone that we now have permission to root for. I thought it was really, really well done. That's great. That's great. What a great point. So the kid that threw the egg, our little kid, we find out is Lee, who has his little um, missing his front teeth, which is always a sign of someone adorable and vulnerable and possibly a little bit mischievous. He takes Zuko to his house because, you know, he owes him one. Zuko did not then go, it wasn't me. It was this kid. Hey, wait, let me grab him for you. And so they go back to his place. I guess it's a pig sheep ranch there's a lot of pigs with antlers so i'm not even sure what that is because it's not like sheep have giant elk antlers there's just a lot of pig hybrids in that but we'll get some regular pigs and there's some sheep pigs i think hands down that my number one is the pooster (laughs) the pooster the pig rooster is outrageous so cute it's real even the camera does a double take where they're like wait what (laughs) (laughs) this pig is so very malleable yeah I'm very curious if these are spread throughout the land or if it's like this farm is like the island of Dr. Moreau and they're they're doing like DNA splicing and (laughs) you never know Okay, so as I said, we now know that the kid's name is Lee, which is actually a funny moment because obviously Zuko called himself Lee when he had to quickly come up with a fake name off the cuff. So when Lee says his name is Lee, you see Zuko go like, oh, I hadn't anticipated Mm. this. As if he couldn't just say my name is also Lee. Uh, He's like, oh, no, that's taken. I see the name Lee is taken (laughs) by a real person. (laughs) So he like (laughs) comes up. But before he even has to answer, luckily, Lee's folks, Gansu and Sila, but they say, you know, we don't need to know his name. He's coming in from somewhere. We don't need to know his story. We respect his privacy. They're happy to offer him something. It's clear that Very Midwest-like. Oh, yeah. It is very Midwest-like. Like, why don't you have a meal with us? Yeah. Uh, no, I got to go. No, are you sure you don't want a meal? Yep, thank I got to get out of here. Well, we do need some work done. He's going to do some work mm-hmm. on the barn. Now, I also have the experience of loving manual labor when my frail bones can take it because it is very meditative. And it does often to sort of take me into a reverie or send me into a memory. And he kind of drifts into his memory while it's happening. And we see our beloved turtle ducks, which are 
uh, one of the number one hybrid animal favorites of all time in the fandom, at least from from my perspective, what I've seen and heard. People love turtle ducks, and there is a very good reason for it. They're adorable. Uh, also adorable, baby Zuko, little little boy Zuko and his mom. Uh, a turtle duck bites Zuko. And <laughs> to your point, Adel, you know, it was an episode with a lot of moms in it, and his mom says, you know, mom, that mom was just protecting her kid, I'm going to totally cry. I can already tell I'm going to cry for this when we talk about this episode. <laughs> Stupid turtle duck. Why'd you do that? Zuko, that's what moms are like. If you mess with their babies, they're going to bite you back. And then we also see little Azula playing back there with Tylee and May. And Azula, does, you know, she notices May's crush on Zuko. We see May's face flush a little bit. And it's so clear that she's like, attention for someone else. I don't think so. And right. so she's like, you know, let's play a game. Let me involve Zuko in it. Is that Gray doing that voice? It is. It's definitely Gray doing younger. But it's not you it's doing. It's not me doing young Zuko. But I was like, yeah. it's Gray doing young Azula. Yes. And it's still. It's so great. It's hilarious. With female voices, sometimes it's easier because you just kind of go, you just go up a little bit more. Um, yeah. And so, where did Jenna go? Oh, guys, it's me. I was just doing my impression oh. of Gray doing her actual job voice, which is Azula. <laughs> All right, pump the talent breaks, Jim. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if I threw you. Um, so they end up playing the old apple on the head game. The twist on this, of course, is that there's not an arrow or a, any projectile other than fire going on. So there's some awkwardness there, some splashing in the fountain. Now that you mentioned it, that is buck wild that William Tell shot that off his own son's head. Yeah, you know what? In some ways, fire is better. So yes, they end up in the fountain together. And, and then we get this letter from Iroh. If the city is as magnificent as its wall. Passing say must be something to behold. I hope you all may see it someday. If we don't burn it to the ground first. <laughs> and so it's here where we get a sense of who the kind of old quote unquote Iroh was. He has like a, even his own little Iroh maniacal laugh kind of, which from my perspective, I think knowing Mako, I don't know him, but knowing him through you and your wonderful relationship with him, Dante, to me, I almost felt like his laugh was like a little half-hearted. It almost sounded to me like he was like, I don't want this guy to be this guy. <laughs> he was like, it was like an evil laugh, but it was like, no, there's still a good guy hiding underneath there. I can feel him. Iroh's still there. You know what I mean? But it is disturbing. It's disturbing that he's like, I'll put her to the ground first. Ha ha ha. And then, you know, he sent along some gifts. He sent this pearl dagger from the general who surrendered at the wall of Basingse. And the inscription says, never give up without a fight. Fight, fight, fight. And then Azula gets a doll that she hates. And this is a little share me the details moment. And I thank Avatar Wiki for this, that the doll given to Azula does have the same hairstyle and headband as Toph which is kind of a great little Easter egg. Mm. And then Azula kind of speculates on what would happen if Iroh didn't come back. And while we're at it, while we're just speculating, we're just talking. We're not saying anything's going to happen. We're just <laughs> asking what would happen if her grandfather, Azulon, died. She's a schemer through and through. You can feel it. doesn't matter how she tries to excuse it. It's so obvious. She's just up to her old schemes. And this is her up to her I new know. schemes because she's a child. I'm so angry. Adel, will you please take over? i got to really process this. Yes, 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 of course. So we cut back to present day and Zuko is asleep in the barn. I have to assume that they, the family offered him Sun Tzu, the older brother who's off to war. I have to imagine they offered him his bed 
And Zuko's like, no, no, no. Hey, is for Zuko's. I'll sleep in the barn. Yeah. So he's sleeping and little sticky fingers leave. Wouldn't you know it? He sneaks in and grabs Zuko's swords and he takes them out to, as we all did in our youth, he takes them out to the local sunflower field and he <laughs> is doing his best impression of Link in Zelda. And he's just kind of spinning in circles, cutting grass while giving yells that get <laughs> subsequently higher and louder. Um, Zuko, <laughs> his eye opens when, when Lee takes a sword. So he clearly knows what's going on and he kind of subtly follows behind him. And instead of being upset, instead of yelling at him, instead of being mad, he seems very even tempered. He seems very mm. cool with it. And he offers nothing except for a little advice. Keep in mind, these are dual swords. Two halves of a single weapon. Don't think of them as separate, because they're not. They're just two different parts of the same whole. Zuko puts the swords together, and the swords, there's a very cool shot where the swords bisect his face, showing the unblemished half and the uh, scarred half. Uh, so it's really cool to see that. that sort of yin and yang, or like his past yes. and his present or future is really, really powerful. And then this episode is clearly an homage to Westerns, which is one of my favorite cool. genres. And if this were a Western, they show there's a cool shot of Zuko and Lee walking through the sunflower seed off into the moonset, which is a, a new Western trope, I guess, walking off into the moon. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little inverted Western trope. Uh-huh. From there, Lee wishes that Zuko could meet his older brother, Sun Tzu. So Zuko's in a position where he's almost like wanted as a sibling which really is a um in conflict with how his yeah. youth actually went with azula not liking him yeah uh the next morning as Very zuko's cool. about to head out on his way the band of bullies just as they always do they show up from town and um they try and pick a fight and it's funny these bullies keep disrupting zuko's appetite anytime he's about to eat they <laughs> disrupt his meal so the, oh, the mom funny. was about to hand him food for the road and then they show up the bullies are not just here to crack wise they are here to give an update to the family and let them know that sun Tzu, his battalion has apparently been captured by the fire nation yeah. uh, and it seems like things are about to get tense a fight could break out but zuko puts himself between the gang and lee's family just kind of making them turn around and go back to town zuko remembers the moment when his mom told him that iroh's son luten died in the war which um, is a very, very impactful, powerful moment and clearly the catalyst for another one of the best episodes in the series. Yeah. Iroh has lost his son. Your cousin, Luten, did not survive the battle. And then Lee's dad tells his family that he's going to head out to the war to find Sensu, the older son, and hopefully bring him home safe. And then we have this really, just like a real... A tearjerker of a moment where Zuko is asked to stay by Lee. Lee's oh. like, please stick around. Yeah. Please be a part of our family. And this is kind of, I think, ideally what Zuko would have had growing up, which is like a mom and dad who were together, a, a sibling who looked up to him and loved him. And he has to say no to it. He has to turn his back. He has to find his own path. So he is going to move on. But before he does, he leaves Lee with a nice little present, which is the dagger that Iroh gave him. The one that says world's best dad. <laughs> um, or what does it say? Yeah. Oh, it's 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 he rickrolled the kid. He gave him a dagger that said, "Never gonna give you up." Was that it? no? Never never give up without a fight. That's what it was. When my dad goes, will you stay? No, I need to move on. Here, I want you to have this. Read the inscription. Made in Earth Kingdom. The other one. Never give up without a fight. 
And on the other side, made in Earth Kingdom. We had to have our little <laughs> moment of laughter for That's a great this bit. show. Yeah. It's a great bit. Almost a dad joke where you're like, Dad, yeah. it's you know what it says on the other side. Earth Kingdom stuff is great quality oh, stuff. So you want stuff made in Earth Kingdom because those people, <laughs> they make it with their hands. That's right. That's oh, yeah. right. And that made an Earth Kingdom joke is well-timed because it cuts the tension of like that super emotional moment to where yeah. you're like, oh, I can laugh because everything's so sad and tense. For sure. <sighs> All right, Dave, what's going on? And then as Zuko rides, and then we have this, these great Western shots where they have, you know, it goes blurry and it comes into focus and goes out of focus when they're having him mm-hmm. riding around like full on Western. And Zuckerman's music as always. Yes, beautiful. And so Zuko's riding. He continues to reflect on his past. We see the younger Zuko practicing with the knife Iroh sent him. And Azula tells him that Iroh's coming home, not because of the war's over, because in Azula's words, It means Uncle's a quitter and a loser. What are you talking about? Uncle's not a quitter. Oh, yes, he is. He found out his son died, and he just fell apart. A real general would stay and burn Ba Sing Se to the ground, not lose the battle and come home crying. Azula is annoying me. Throughout the whole ding episode, <laughs> Azula... She's doing her job, ...and Gray's little high-pitched voice. I'm like, she's a manipulator. Even gaslighter at mm-hmm. a very young age. There's yes, some warning indeed. signs where she's harming small animals. She's playing oh. with fire. I mean, there's some real warning signs. So Zuko stands up for Iroh and we see he has a lot of compassion for Iroh and we see more smugness from Azula, who's not only super dismissive of Iroh, but also of her grandfather, Fire Lord Azulon. She respects nobody outside of her father, like can't stand her brother, can't stand her uncle, can't stand her grandfather. Who is this little girl? She's annoying me so much. The whole family meets with him and Azula (laughs) shows off her fancy firebending moves. Then Zuko demonstrates, and it, it it doesn't go well, but his mom still believes in him. And then we have this whole exchange between Ozai and Azulon. They really let Zuko's embarrassing moves play out. Like that is, I know that is Come a on. sequence that they could have kept short because it's a kids' show. It's a quote unquote. We always say, you know, air quotes, but um, <laughs> they could have like made their point quickly. And they really make you feel terrible for him because it, he uh-huh. just keeps going and it's so realistic where he, he does it once and you're like no and he's like no no no, no let me do this. no 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 and then he keeps going and then it happens like another time you're just like this is taking so long it's excruciating please stop Suko. but no it's the fact that he does i had that flashbacks oh uh-oh you had flashbacks to something you did yeah, I was going to say, speaking of flashbacks in this episode, during that moment, I had flashbacks to like doing improv early on in my career and people afterwards being like, hey, it looked like you were having fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I have siblings and we've all studied martial arts together, did all this stuff. You like to see your siblings, you know, in the comfort of your home fall on their face sometimes. I just like, let's see it. I do get the sibling rivalry. There can be that competition. There can be that good-natured, or even sometimes it's not good-natured, but it is family, and it does kind of push you forward. But it can't just be that, right? Or or you're going to fall apart. Also, you brought up mommy issues. There's daddy issues. We see that Zuko obviously has a great relationship with his mom. It seems like their mom wants to have a good relationship with Azula, but Azula is not really present for that. Meanwhile, 
their dad. Ugh. So no wonder Azula has those kinds of qualities. And we see that happen in the father-son relationship between Ozai and his dad. Say what it is you want, father. Revoke Iroh's birthright. I am your humble servant, here to serve you and our nation. Use me. You dare suggest I betray Iroh, my firstborn, directly after the demise of his only beloved son? I think Iroh has suffered enough. But you, your punishment has scarcely begun. And so, like, family dynamics, everybody. And that night, uh, Azula comes to Zuko's room. He tells them that their grandfather wants Ozai to get the sort of eye-for-an-eye treatment because, you know, as we heard in that last clip, um, perhaps Ozai needs to be shown that losing your firstborn son could turn you into um, the, the, a husk of a man, at least temporarily, because he immediately is, wants to push Iroh out. And so he's going to get punishment for that. And maybe that punishment might be Ozai having to kill his firstborn son. And Zuko and Azula's mom, here's part of this conversation. She takes Azula away. And then we have this moment that's also very, very famous in the series where Zuko chants, uh, Azula always lies. Azula always lies. She does. Azula always lies. Yes. And he's saying it in the present tense. It's like his one of his mantras. <gasps> and Sila finds Zuko. Of course, tells him that Lee tried to defend his mom when the thugs came back yet again because Lee pulled that knife, but he didn't know what to do with it. And so the thugs end up taking him away and they're like, you know, listen, if you're that tough, why don't you just join the army? And Zuko's like, I ain't having it. He's not going to let that stand. And so he rides into town cowboy style. They have tied Lee up with a lot of rope. It's like covering his whole (laughs) tiny body. This poor kid, and we really get into Zuckerman's brilliant classic old Western showdown kind of music and style that we've seen the show do before, to your point, Adel, and, and also yours. Uh, we really love these Western movies, and they just do such a lovely job of echoing that vibe. And Zuko really dresses him down. You know, he's definitely like, it's a real pick on someone your own size, uh, but said very eloquently. And they start to fight, and you see Zuko fighting really more defensively, right? You see him doing more of what you would see from Aang, which is not provoking. Certainly he's not firebending. He can't firebend, right? Definitely doesn't want to show he's firebending. And you know what? I'm sure he won't. Anyway, so he's like, you know, fending off this earthbending that's happening. Gao is really good with his sort of mallets almost like where he's sort of pounding the earth thor style and that's how he kind of earth bends and so he he successfully scares all the other guys away by very little moves on his part he doesn't attack anyone he just scares them with how good his defense is good technique and then gal is he has great technique but gal gives him a run for his money and so zuko's got to get that great technique going he's got to turn it up to 11 he's got to get out his dual swords right adol yeah, and I'll say up until this point, I don't know if this is anything, but call me Dr. Insight. I noticed that, you know, there's all these flashbacks to Zuko's childhood. And during this fight in the current moment, he's literally fighting against sticks and stones. Um, there's like the guy with the spear and then the then the stones being tossed sticks at him. So stones. I thought that was kind of fun. That's great. Um, and Zu- <laughs> so Zuko finally takes out his dual swords, both of his sides, his yin and his yang, and he is doing very well. He's holding his own. But uh, eventually, Gal becomes just a little too much because he is incorporating his earthbending into the mix, yeah. where Zuko is not. 
Um, so eventually Zuko gets hit so hard and we've all been there. He gets so hard. He gets knocked into a flashback, uh, which is <laughs> that's uh, hard. That's a hard hit. Right <laughs> it happens. It, it, it happens. Pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Sends him, sends him back in time about a decade. You know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you wake up from getting hit and you go, what year is it? Yeah, that's yes. bad. That's bad news. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So we have a flashback. Uh, young Zuko is awakened by his mom who tells him. Everything I've done, I've done to protect you. Remember this, Zuko. No matter how things may seem to change, never forget who you are. Uh, and then she's gone. And as she kind of puts up her hood and leaves, there's a really cool shot where the camera and the room, basically Zuko's world is tilted. It's kind of askew. But his mom is walking in a straight line and she's almost upright, even though the flooring is tilted. It's a really cool um, yeah. uh, frame. I, I thought that was beautiful. Then we go back to present day. Uh, Zuko is uh, laying prone on the ground with his swords at his side. Uh, Gao is approaching to, to kind of finish him off. And Zuko suddenly comes to. He remembers what his mother told him. And he is back, baby, this time yeah. with firebending action. And he spins Remember in a circle. Who which you almost, are. <laughs> yeah. He spins in a circle, which represents like the, the, the full moon or his face or the yin and the yang. And his firebending adds to his punch and knocks Gao on his butt. Oh, I also want to mention during that fight, there's fire, swords, rocks, and hammers, which is everything you need to temper and sharpen a blade. How dare um, you. So maybe this is all <laughs> this is all analogous to him kind of finding his, his true self and, and uh, tempering and sharpening Al's going blade. deep. He's showing us you. up. It is <laughs> so Symbolism obvious how I... bad he is making us look in this episode. I love My it. My apologies if I shined a light on something. Just call me Kyle Illumination. <laughs> nation, nation, nation. Uh, this is since we saw Zuko alone. Uh, and just so you know, uh, I should mention Dante before the episode. Janet pleaded with me she said wouldn't it be super funny if we made dante do this whole podcast on his own to kind of mimic the episode and i said no 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 so no, just no, know that's that that's funny. what uh <laughs> dang barney <laughs> that's what she said dante alone with zuko alone <laughs> up until this point we had not seen zuko publicly use his firebending he's really just dominating gal i love this little interjection from the guy on the side who's like give him the old left um, which just seems like a Western trope um, that yeah. I really enjoy. Just the the old timer who's yelling a voice in a warbly voice. Uh -huh. I love that too. Zuko, as he finishes off Gao, he kind of puts his swords back together, sort of completing uh, the past and the present and, and bringing together who he is. And he announces for all to hear that he is Prince Zuko, heir to the Fire Nation. And the old timer who Very was just giving line. him help and advice uh -huh. immediately says that uh, Zuko was burned by his own father and disowned. Zuko just kind of brushes it off. He doesn't really hear him. He goes over to Lee, which I think is the, the relationship he's most concentrated on, which, the relationship he most wants to like tend to. Yeah. And he tries to give Lee back the dagger that the gang mm -hmm. stole. And Lee refuses it. Well, one, uh, Lee's mom steps in between Zuko and Lee to mimic the duck who bit Zuko when she, when she attacked yes. his child. So we see that protective mother instinct take yes. place. And then two, Lee not only refuses Zuko's dagger, but he gives Zuko a dagger of his own. He punches him in the gut with the dagger of I hate you, which oh, is just on. so devastating. And so, you, you know, Zuko played the hero in this episode. He did the right mm -hmm. thing and he was drawn into it like he wanted to avoid it. He didn't try and fight the gang earlier on. He was drawn into this. And even though he did something good, he was not rewarded. No good deed goes unpunished. And he has to keep at it. And even though he's not rewarded or forgiven for his family or who he is, 
he just has to keep blazing his own trail and find who he is. It's so rough. So rough. He's thinking of his brother being captured by the Fire Nation. And then all of a sudden he has this wolf in sheep's clothing who at the very end is like, in his mind, you know, I feel like he's hearing like, disregard everything that just happened because, ha ha, mm-hmm. I have this whole time been the exact thing that is responsible for what you're most scared of right now, which is losing both your yeah. brother and your father. <laughs> Here's a knife. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's totally understandable. And but it is a good example of like how much what you own about your past, but also everything that your past, everything that came before you affects like, oh, does, is that going to be more powerful than your actions in the recent moment? And it's mm-hmm. a really tough thing to overcome. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. So powerful. It's like, oh, I'm glad you remember who you are, but did it have to be right now? <laughs> Yeah. I think what sets this show apart and this world apart is because there are these like brutal endings. Like there's not a bow wrapped around it. And that, again, that mimics shows those upper echelon shows that I mentioned earlier that mimics that. And that there's not always a happy ending. People don't always get what they want, but it's about that experience. It's about, you know, forging ahead. And I I think it it was a beautiful ending, even though it was devastating. Yeah. And it's not even the end. It could be the end, but now we have to see some even more painful stuff, right? Uh, Bosco, tell us what's yes, going on. Yes, definitely. But that line is one of the most popular lines that people have me sign at Comic-Cons. My name is Zuko, son of Ursa and Fire Lord Ozai, prince of the Fire Nation and heir to the throne. Put some respect on my name. Which uh, I love that line, but it did backfire. <laughs> it did backfire on me. But now mm-hmm. we get back to a, a little flashback of little Zuko who can't find his mom anywhere or his knife. He runs into little Azula who seems pretty unbothered by their mom being missing. Azula don't care. Azula also tells him that Azula died that night before. He gets his knife back from Azula and asks his father where she is. There's no answer leading to the question of people who haven't read the comics, the graphic novels have been asking me for over a decade now, what happened to Zuko's mom? What happened to Zuko's mom? Go read the comics and the and the graphic novels and you'll get the answer. That's right. Something I noticed is the previous, when they show the flashbacks previously, especially when he's around his mom, there's almost like a golden hue or tint to the flashbacks. Right. And then once his mom leaves, I think the subsequent flashbacks are almost like sepia tone. Um, like they're much colder, which yeah. I thought was really, a really cool move. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. So then we go to Grandpa Azulon's funeral, and we see Ozai getting crowned as the new Fire Lord. And everyone's all, oh, hell, Fire Lord Ozai. And then we finally see, we see Zuko mm-hmm. riding his ostrich horse out of town. Again, that Western lone guy riding through the desert on his, his horse, or in this case, ostrich horse. Not the most upbeat episode, mm-hmm. but it's one of the favorites, one of all-time favorites. Zuko alone is one of the all-time favorite episodes, That's for a sure. great one. It's so iconic that Korra got an episode called Korra Alone. There's a graphic novel that's called Suki Alone. So you can see that the tribute to this episode continues to be played out in the Avatarverse, which I love. I was going to ask a quick quiz, which I now realize is incredibly unnecessary because, of course, Adol came in packing and uh he already noted this very special thing about this episode but why don't we do you want to circle back on it what else about this episode is particularly special you brought it up earlier adel mom mom can i get a pet turtle duck please oh 
honey, I love them too, but where would we keep it? We don't have a pond. Don't worry, Mom. That's why we invented the portable turtle duck paddling pool. Simply inflate the pool, no air bending needed, fill with water, no water bending needed, and your turtle duck can swim to its heart's content. The portable turtle duck paddling pool, not suitable for platypus bears, otter penguins, or children. Air and water not included. There's something that we don't see that makes it really stand out. Some ones mm. that we don't see. Oh, Aang and the gang? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without Aang and the gang there, we're able to really go deep with Zuko. So instead of, I, I feel like with some episodes of TV, it's like it's like digging eight one-foot holes across. But with this episode, it was one eight-foot deep hole. Does oh, that make sense? very nice. Yeah. Zuko alone, Korra alone, Suki alone. I think, you know, you guys out there, in order to, you know, that, that journey, there got to be some time spent alone. Yeah. You can't learn everything yes, through indeed. your friends and your group. There's moments that you must tackle alone. It's going to be on you. Yeah. I love that. So we talked Animal Crossing. I feel like we've given a lot of love to all the pig hybrids. I feel we've very aptly represented that. Of course, our pooster. Major love, of course, to the turtle ducks. So adorable. Very, very iconic. Let's talk about most valuable bending in the episode. What are people thinking? There's a lot that happens in this episode. I hope you're not going to say firebending, but... I've also seen guests turn that stuff around. I feel like McGizzy would be like, actually, it is the firebending because that revealed to him. And I'd be like, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, Adel, what do you think? Jenna, I just walked into the <sighs> hurdle you set up. I, I got to go with firebending. But specifically, the most incredible bending moment is Zuko as a child showcasing his lack of skills in front of his grandfather. That is the toughest audience to do that in front of all of your family, to do that in front of your sister who just absolutely nailed it and killed it. The courage and the character that that built. And I, I just thought that moment specifically, it's so awkward and so painful to watch, but it, it demonstrates more than anything who he is, that he has the courage to put himself out there, even though he knows he's going to fail. So that to me was the most powerful bending. Bosco, moment. I have to say, I love that. What do you think? I love that. I'm going to go with that. I was going to go with the later one, but I'm going to go with that one. I mean, it was just powerful for him to put some respect on his name in front of all these folks that were like, <laughs> that's right. And it kind of reminds us, you know, we can only do what we can do. We can't control what other people think. So when we try really hard, the people that love us and believe in us are going to see that attempt one way. And the people who are in their own stuff uh, and it's not about us are going to see that in a different way. So it also sort of reminds us, like, you know, you can only control who you are. You can't control how other people perceive those things. How about the most valuable non-bending moment? I feel like we want to give some love to Ursa, to Zuko's mom. I mean, she's laying down stuff that he really is going to need and to, and that you see he does hold on to so tightly despite losing her or because of losing her. Yeah, even though Ursa's a minor character, Ursa has a major impact, Constellation pun. Oh. I feel oh, like no. I'm going to give two quick ones. One, I would say the ostrich horse is a hero because <clears throat> it could have easily, it was so weakened and it could easily fallen through that bridge, but it yeah. persevered, it had the strength to get up and go on. Yeah. And then the second one I'm, I am going to give to a mom, which is Lee's mom. I feel like oh. after having just watched Zuko lay waste to the bullies that ruined her life, after having just had Zuko reveal who he is, the strength and the courage for her to step in between her son and Zuko and say, like, no, get out of here, I thought was was uh, very profound. I like both of those. I will stand by Zuko's mom. I'm going to stand by that, too. I didn't, I didn't know you were going to come on the show so hot. You know, you were going to come on the show so hot, hot, loaded, you know, the six shooter <laughs> loaded, ready to go. It was out alone on this episode, <laughs> walking around, ready, ready to get down. Well, you know what? Let's do this. 
Yeah. What if we give most valuable non-bending to all the moms in the episode? I love including that. the turtle duck. Yes. Yeah, all the moms. It is a mom episode. For being fierce and for protecting their kiddos. That's how the West was won. Love Motherhood. That. I love that. Shout out to our moms. All moms, anywhere, anyhow. And that brings us, friends, to the end of this episode. Adol, thank you so much for showing us up today. We are humbled. Uh, not at we all. Humbled. have loved having you on. No, I love, <laughs> I love all of the insight you brought to the episode. It was brilliant. Please tell people where else they can find you and anything they should be checking out. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you too so much for having me on. It means the world to me to chat with y'all and to to get to do this. So thank you again. Uh, you can find me on the podcast Hello from the Magic Tavern. Uh, it's sort of a fantasy improvised show. I play a shapeshifter slash badger. And then you can also check me out on the podcast Hey Riddle Riddle, which incl- very frequently includes uh, guest Janet Varney. So check those out. Also check out uh, Kyle Illumination on Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> Kyle Illumination Nation Nation Nation. <laughs> nation 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 Thanks for listening to Avatar Brave the Elements and make sure to subscribe and please leave us a review it really helps the podcast so much and me and Janet really appreciate it Next week we're diving into the Avatar graphic novel universe with none other than our friend writer Tim Hedrick you can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>